0: Welcome back to the God Knows Podcast. My name is Justin Lee. I'm so glad that you've joined me here today. You know, every day that I get to sit and talk about the things of God is a pretty great day, right? Anytime we just get to share the person who we love, the person who gives us all truth, the person who has blessed us so much, it truly is a great day when we have the opportunities to talk about our Lord and Savior. And so that's why I love doing these podcasts. I love being able to come before you and to just share the things that I've received from the Lord every week, just to talk about God, to talk about His things, and to talk about such great truths that give us such hope, such peace, and such joy in this life, things that we can't experience through any other means, but only through Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anything better or anything greater. So without any further ado, let's get into those God notes. Let's start talking about God. Let's see what it is that I received from God this week. The first note that I've got is called, Not Wanting to Deal with the Problem. We live in a culture today that we change laws instead of addressing the real problems in society. Because it's easier to allow people to wrong others than to try to correct the real issue. I don't want to lull myself to hell because I refuse to deal with the problems in my life. I think that might be a record for the shortest note that I have. What I'm trying what I'm really talking about here is what we're seeing in our society today, what we're seeing in our culture where states have even gone so far as to make it legal for people to steal up to a certain amount because they were having to deal with so many issues that it was easier for them to make a law where now it's legal to burglarize and to steal from people, to harm businesses, to harm other people, to truly hurt the economy. It's easier to allow people to do that than it is to actually try to help the people who are stealing, who are doing these evil things, these wrong things, these sinful things, it's easier to just make it legal and to make them not have to have to go to uh, court, to go to jail. We don't have to fill our jails up with these people if we just make it legal for them to do the bad things that they want to do anyways. It's a pretty sad truth that that's what we've come to in America. We've even come that far on illicit drugs. Things that would have convicted you for decades, years ago, are now legal because, man, we just have so many people getting convicted for it. I mean, we might as well make it legal. That's not the mindset that we should have as a people, and especially not as the people of God. Now, I realize our whole country isn't Christian, but we can't allow these mindsets and the things that are taking place in our culture to take place in our churches as well. We can't lull people to a sense of complacency and just walk them down to hell because it's easier to just confirm their ideologies and to confirm the way that they're living than it is to try to deal with the root of the issue and to try to correct them and to try to lead them into further truth. It blows my mind that we live in a country that now basically says it's okay to steal up to a certain point. We expect people to stop at that certain point, but as long as they're not stealing too much, then it's okay. Right? We've made it a law that it is, and just shown that we believe it's easier to not deal with the problem and to allow people to do whatever it is that they want to do in the first place. Because it's not illegal. And it blows my mind too because I remember being a kid and one of the arguments for legalizing drugs such as marijuana was literally, well, maybe if we make it legal, some of the appeal to do it won't be there anymore. Like the only reason that people are partaking in illegal drugs is simply due to the fact that they're illegal. That's why we have the problem. Yes, and the reason that we have underage drinking as a problem is because the drinking age is too high too, right? No. That's not the problem. The problem is that we're not willing to parent, and we're not willing to step into the role of those who need parents and to correct people and to help people and to show them why they shouldn't be doing these things, right? But now we've lived as a society for so long that isn't able to explain the why behind why they don't do things that now even the people who are trying to enforce the rules are like, well, I actually don't know why we're not supposed to do this either. Right, Because we're too busy saying, I said so, instead of giving true factual statements as to why we shouldn't do certain things. And if we would give those answers, the world's ready to give you an answer as to why you should do those things. But we should be ready to answer the opposite. And, that, and so, I did put that at the end about I don't want to lull myself to hell because I refuse to deal with the problems in my life. Right? I don't want to change the way that I view God's Word or the way that I view Scripture— to have an effect on my life, to say, oh, well, you know, that just doesn't work for me. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live in this sin because I just feel like it's the right thing to do. And, you know, I don't want to hold myself to some kind of standard like that. I would rather lower the standards to meet the way that I want to live instead of raising my life to match the standards that God has already set before us. Is that really the way that we should be living? No. And it's not the way that we should be having other people live. There are countless churches today. We talked to last week about how our role is important as Christians. Because there are so many false teachers telling people that the way that they're living is okay and that God will accept them even in their sins. When we know from the Bible that that isn't the case, the first step in salvation is repentance from sins. And we've lost the sight of what repentance means. Right? Our society, I'm, i i got to break that for a second. I'm trying so hard not to say right anymore. I've been listening back to the episodes of the podcast and it grinds my gears when I say, and I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but I'm trying to do better. I apologize. Let's see if we can't overcome that. But we live in a society that that we've lost the meaning of words like repentance. People don't know what it means to repent. People think that all that it means to repent is to seek forgiveness from God. God, I'm sorry. That's what repentance is. No. No, that's not what repentance is. But because we refuse to explain things to people, that's why people don't know what these things mean. Repentance is so much more than simply seeking forgiveness. It's seeking forgiveness with the decision to not do those things again. When you go to the altar in repentance, when you repent to God for your sins, it's not just saying, God, please forgive me from this. You do do that. You ask for forgiveness from God for the sins that you've committed, but you make a commitment. Repentance is making a decision to turn away from those things and to not return to them again. So if you're simply asking for forgiveness, knowing that you're going to go do the same thing tomorrow, then you haven't truly repented. To truly repent, you have to make the decision in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, to not purposefully return to those sins. Again, of course, we all make many mistakes. We all fall into things. We all get tempted into sin. All those things are true. However, if we're repenting of an action, it's because we don't want to continue to be in that same action time and time again. And so we need to teach people what repentance is, and we need to teach people why they need to live according to the Bible. Why do we not do this? Why do we not drink? Why do we not smoke? Why do we dress this way? Why do we not go to these places? Why do we not partake in that form of entertainment? We need to answer the why, and we need to answer the why so that way the next generation doesn't not know the answer and thinks, well, maybe we don't need to do those things anymore. If we don't explain the why behind the holiness and the biblical standards that we live then the next generation just like we see in the courts today is not going to understand why they do it and they're gonna think that it's not necessary because they don't have the biblical backing to understand the truth that we live our lives by so it's so important that we make an effort to explain things in the best that we can I don't think I really meant for this note to go that way but that's the truth we have to deal with things in the time that they're meant to be dealt with there's a time and a season for everything Which means that there is a time to explain and a time to teach and a time to deal with problems the way that they ought to be dealt with. That's the simple truth of it. We need to deal with things. We need to explain the why, so that way people aren't like, well, I don't know why we don't steal. Maybe we should change that rule to let people steal. Or, I don't know why we don't drink, so maybe we should just start drinking. No, you need to show them the scriptures. Pull out the Bible and teach somebody. People will not teach themselves the truth. We must share the truth with them. Actually, in the last episode of the More God Less Me podcast, I made a statement, and I, I want to put it with this as well. It's a lot easier for somebody to question truth than it is for them to find the truth on their own or to learn the truth or even to teach the truth. To question the truth is very easy. It's very quick. Why? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why we should do that. Why do you believe this way? Or, that's not true. Those are all ways of questioning the truth, and they're very simple. But to then respond truthfully and with the fullness of Scripture takes time, and it takes work to be able to do that. But we should be willing to put that work in to give people the answers to the problems that they need or that they're facing, I'm sorry. But we should be able to answer people's problems biblically, and if we don't know the answer, we shouldn't just say, I don't know, We should say, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to find somebody that does know, and I'm going to get back to you on this because this is important. The things that we face in this life are important. Everything has an impact. We are not playing with small issues as Christians. We're playing with eternal salvation in heaven and eternal damnation in hell. Those are the true life circumstances that we are looking at as Christians. And so, yeah, there may be people breaking laws and blah, blah, blah. A lot of that stuff, while it's sinful, obviously, is not that important. What's going on in Washington, D.C., not the most important thing. It's what's happening in the church, and it's what the church is taking out into the world that is the most important thing. Because that has eternal ramifications, right? Maybe some of the laws that they make in Washington, D.C. will have eternal ramifications for some people but what we do as the church will have eternal ramifications for many more people people all across the world are going to face eternal ramifications for their actions and god may we please reach as many people as we each possibly can so as few people have to face eternal damnation as possible that should be our goal and our hearts cry on a happier note the next note i wrote god returns love and this is another one of those cases where I'll be honest, the first four notes that we have here came to me during church while my pastor was preaching, and like little things that he said sparked a thing that I'd already been thinking about, and so I wrote some things down super fast. And so this one I didn't actually get a body to because I needed to write the next thing, and so on and so forth. But God returns love. I think that we often forget that God loves us back. Right, So when we go to church, or even when we're in our homes, and we begin to pray to God, and we going to tell God, I love you, right? Just as, I said right again, just as when we tell our spouse or somebody who we've developed a relationship with, I love you, they're going to respond, oh, I love you too. Can't we believe that God does the same thing? And it may not be a vocal thing that we hear, but when when we're praising God and we're saying, God, I love you, I give you glory, I give you honor, I praise you, God, you are great, i love you god's presence shows up saying i love you too i want to be with you god returns love to his people god sometimes i think that it's hard for us to explain the things of god because we talk about praise and worship and you talk to people who aren't christians and they look at you kind of crazy right because it sounds like god all god wanted was for people to praise him but what god really wants is yes god wants our praise god wants us to honor him and give him glory But he wants to meet us in that god's not like a king right he doesn't accept all the people's praise and all the people's honor and return nothing back to them because god loves us so much god doesn't even view us as his servants he views us as his children right i did it again i'm gonna overcome this in jesus name i'm gonna overcome saying right in jesus name but god returns his love to his people Right When we love God, God shows his love back to us in a multitude of different ways in our lives. God has already showed us how much he loved us because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son into this world. God loved us so much that while we didn't love him, he was still showing us his love. And you know it's true. You can look back over your life as a lost sinner person and see how God was moving things around and making it to where you might be saved in your life. Putting the right people in the right place at the right time, opening doors, closing others. God shows his love for us even before we are truly living our lives for him. Look at how much he loved Paul. He loved Paul enough to blind him on the road to Damascus, to send him the ultimate wake up call so that he might be saved. And God loves each of us just that much as well. Right? Oh, I did it again. I'm who Lord, I pray that you would help me to overcome this in Jesus' name. I want to be a good speaker. I gotta get over these these words like this but it's amazing to think about the fact that when we're in the church and we're praising God and giving God glory and we go, God, I love you. God looks down from heaven. Obviously, he's omnipresent, but you know what I mean. But God sees us, hears us, and God returns that love back to us because God loves us too. So God is meeting us in our love for him with his love for us. And that's a great and amazing thing to think about that the creator of the world The creator of everything that we can see, the God of the Bible loves us so much that he looks down when we say, I love you, and he doesn't say, yeah, that's what I created you to do, or I accept your love. He says, I love you too. Because God loves us so much that he made a way for all of us to be saved. He was willing to overlook all the wicked things that we did. He was willing to come down in the flesh, the fleshly form of a man in Jesus Christ, to step down out of honor and glory and to come down to us and make a way that we might be saved because he loves us so much. Right? I did it again. Man, I'm addicted to saying right. May I be this addicted to the things of God. But it's amazing because if you think about heaven, all the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's a repetitive thing. It's all they do. And God is sitting in the presence of those angels and they're pouring out praise upon him. But when we do it, God pours back onto us with his Holy Spirit. He meets us in the church. He meets us in our homes. When we are seeking him with his Holy Spirit, God begins to move. God begins to do things that we can't imagine. And it's all because he's returning the love that we're showing him to us. Now, that's not why we love God. We don't love God to get a feeling. We don't love God to get a chill bump. We don't love God so that he will love us. God already loves us. We don't have to do anything to receive the love of God. All people, even as sinful as they are, are eligible for the love of God, and God already loves them. But there's something that happens when we praise God's name and God comes in amongst us because God wants to be with those who love him. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing the love that God has for his people, and it doesn't make sense why he loves us as much as he does, but I am thankful for it, as I'm sure you are as well. The next one I got is titled, rather. I think I meant to put, I would rather be considered outdated than modern. I'm not concerned with with what's considered modern, hip, or in the know. What I am concerned with is making it to heaven, and the Bible says to find the old godly path and walk in it. You may say, I'm out of touch, and that's fine if I'm in touch with the never-changing God, the only one with the power to save me from the eternity I deserve. To get to heaven, we don't need anything new. All we need is what the trusted word of God that has been passed down to us for thousands of years. That's the honest truth. I hear people say, like, oh, that's outdated. This is outdated. Or you might call me old-fashioned or whatever. Well, if the Bible says to find the old godly path and walk in it, then we should all be old-fashioned. There is no changing God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God does not change. He does not cast a shifting shadow. God loves us. He makes a way for us. Praise God. And if we're going to be considered outdated, that's fine. If we're going to be considered out of touch with this world, Well, praise God, we're in touch with the heavenly world. Our eyes are supposed to be set above anyways. We shouldn't be concerned with how in touch we are with this world if it means being out of touch with God. Our ultimate desire should be to be in touch with God, and that does mean looking different than this world. That does mean looking outdated. That means sounding outdated. It means saying things that our society may not agree with or may not like. But that's not the word that they need. Oftentimes, you need the harsh word more than you need the gentle word. What our world needs is more old-fashioned people who are walking in the old godly path, the only path that will get you to heaven, for the Bible has not changed. God does not allow more sins today than he allowed yesterday. God isn't saying, oh, now, now that you live in 2023, I'm not as concerned about these sins as I once was. No, God is saying, I do not change My word does not change. Henceforth and forevermore it will be this way. And so we don't need to find the modern ways. We don't need to change our church to match the culture. And we can't really, honestly and truthfully, we can't change the culture to match our churches. God changes the minds of his people. As Christians, a lot of times we struggle to understand this. We struggle to look back and think, why do the people of this world have all these crazy beliefs? Why do they not believe like we do? Why do they not think the way that we think? Well, because we don't think the way that we once thought. The way we once thought was sinful, and that's why we lived in sinful things, why we did sinful acts. But God, but God, the greatest words I think that you can ever experience in your life, But God moved in our lives. And when God begins to move, he gives us his spirit. And his spirit shapes our mind. And his spirit changes the way that we think moving forward. So we don't think like we thought when we were lost. Lost people are still thinking like they thought. They're still in the enemy's trap. They still share the mind of the enemy. But praise God, we share the mind of God. So it only makes sense that they think differently than we think, and they live differently than we live. But we shouldn't allow that to affect us. What we should do is try to be trying to affect them. But the only way that they're ever going to change, the only way that their mindset's ever going to change, the only way that they're going to change their ways isn't because of well crafted arguments. It isn't because we can come up with the right thing to say or we're really good at convincing people that we're right and they're wrong. That's not what we're gonna cha- is going to change the hearts and minds of today's culture. The only thing that is going to change their beliefs, that's going to reshape them, that's going to put them and get them into the right mindset the christian mindset is simply by allowing god to do that work we should be leading and guiding people to god and allowing god to do the work that he does we don't have the ability to change minds or to change hearts only god can do that our goal should simply be to introduce somebody introduce others to the only person that they'll ever meet who can change everything about them just cuz that and you know how we know that It's because he's changed everything about us. We used to be, you might have been greedy. You might have been adulterous. You might have been this. You might have been that. But now you're not that way anymore. And it's not because of anything you did. And it's not because of the arguments that somebody else gave you. It's because you had a real-life encounter with God. He filled you with his Holy Spirit. And he began to change the way you think. He began to change the things that you were passionate about. And he began to change and weaken your flesh. He made you a slave of Christ, no longer a slave of sin. Praise God. And that's why we think different. And that's why we seem outdated to this world. Because yes, our belief system goes back thousands of years to the times of Jesus, and almost everything that Jesus taught, believe it or not, can find its way back into the Old Testament. The things that Jesus taught were not new or in opposition to the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled the law, but a lot of the teaching that he taught can be found in the Old Testament still. He didn't rewrite the Word. He was the Word. So when he came and fulfilled the Law, he just didn't repeat all the sections about the Law, but he repeated a lot of things. And the the New Testament authors, with God's Spirit working through them, with the Word inside of them, and flowing out onto the pages, they wrote their letters. That Word so strongly matches with so much of the Old Testament that people overlook because they're distracted by the law and by the other things that God did in those times. And they miss the true reality of God and what matches between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But yes, we're going to seem outdated because we, we practice our faith from a really old book. But that book will never be so old that it's too old. It doesn't need to change. We need to change to match it. And that's how we'll live the best life that we can in this world. I don't know what, what, it, it, it amazes me. We're confused as why why people don't think like we think. Well, that kind of makes sense to me because they don't have the spirit of God that we have. But what does amaze me, and it's the, and what it really is, is it's the enemy shading their eyes, putting blinders on them, and causing people not to see everything that's happening around them. But the more freedoms, quotes there, the more freedoms that they get in quotes, are not freedoms, but bigger chains. Because the more that people embrace celebrity, the more people embrace fame, the more people embrace the alphabet soup that's running wild today, the sadder they are. If you, look, if you think about it this way, and I've not looked at these numbers, but I've heard the studies of both of these things, and it's very clear, and you'll understand what I'm saying in just a second. But if you look back throughout US history, there's a slow decline of christianity right the church has lost its influence has lost its power and you know more and more people you know are turning to either other religions or turning to atheism or becoming agnostic throughout us history and as those numbers go down of christians you could correlate the numbers of depression that go up because every year more and more people are depressed, more and more people are facing anxiety, more and more people are sad, and they think that the reason that they're sad is because they're not getting to do the things that their sinful flesh wants to do. But the more that they have the ability to do those things, the sadder and more depressed and the more suicides that take place. That's a shocking way to think about this. The Christianity has declined in America... And the results of that decline are an increase in depression, in anxiety, in mental disorders, and in suicide. And I'm sure a whole myriad of other issues and other crimes, drug use, alcohol addiction, all those things have steadily climbed as the church has lost influence in this country and as more people have renounced their faith. That is a sad, disturbing truth, and it should drive us as Christians to do so much more in our society, and in our world, whether or not they're calling us outdated. Because apparently, the new modern ways aren't making things any better for people. But praise God, I follow the outdated ways, and I am no longer suffering from the same sadness, the same hurt, the same worry, the same fear, the same anxiety that I used to. Because I turned away from the modern answer, and I found the old godly path, and I walked in it, And praise God, I'm here today feeling better than I ever have, feeling more passionate about this life than I ever have, and wanting to do more and more things to reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're struggling to have a desire to live for God, you have to ask yourself what path you are on. And I'm not talking about the narrow path that leads to heaven and the wide path that leads to hell, but that might be a question that you ask yourself too. But if you're struggling to have passion for the things of God, are you walking down the modern path with modern influences, with things that are leading you astray? Or are you walking down the old godly path with things that are leading you closer to Christ and leading you away from the sins of this world and giving you a better tomorrow? That's what you need to ask yourself. Because when you walk the old godly path, things will begin to change in your life. I can guarantee it because I have lived it. The old godly path is the path that we should all be striving to walk down as Christians. Because it's tried and true. We know it works. We know it's the way to get to heaven. Because why would anything get us to heaven that's not in God's Word? It's worked for 2,000 years, right? And that passage is actually not, that's not a New Testament passage. That's an Old Testament passage. Because the people of Israel kept straying off of the old godly path, and they were trying all these new modern things. Well, maybe we should try paganism. Maybe that'll work for us this time, or maybe we should try you know you know marrying people from other nations, maybe we should try this, maybe we should try that, and they were being called to return to the old godly path and to walk in it because otherwise they weren't going to be saved that is what was that is what the bible I was trying to find the Bible verse, and my computer is not wanting to work with me today i was trying to do it on the down low but we see how that worked out but we need the old godly path that is the path that's going to lead us to salvation that's the path that's going to lead us to hell i found it. jeremiah 6 and 16 says this is what the lord says stop at the crossroads and look around ask for the old godly way and walk in it, travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road that we want. Which is exactly what our world is saying today. We're saying, look, look, there's a a path that will lead you to rest, that will lead you to peace, that will lead you to joy, to happiness, to an eternity in heaven. But it's going to require you to go the old way, to do things a little bit different than you've been doing them. And so often we say, no, we don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to get rid of things. We don't want to change. We don't want to, we don't want to have to, to have people not like us. I believe that the reason that you see deconstruction with people who are Christians, and we can put that in air quotes as well, but people who claim to have been Christian and they move to Hollywood, they gain celebrity. I have a certain two individuals in my mind at the moment. And their beliefs begin to sway and to change. And they believe that what we believe is archaic, that they're following this old religion that's no longer relevant to society. And so they renounce that belief. They turn away from it to be more modern, to be more hip. And I really believe that it's not just because, oh, our minds changed. We began to learn new things, and we begin to see how those things are no longer applicable. No, well, we didn't want to offend anybody or we didn't want to be inconvenient for anybody, or we didn't want to practice something that might cause somebody to not like us as much. That is not the way that we should play with a heaven or hell issue. We should be looking at the facts and looking at what what makes sense. I am telling you right now that if you receive the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, the Bible will make sense in a way that it's never made sense to you before, and you'll begin to see how the world truly operates, and it truly works as you get a hunger for God's Word, and you read what the Creator, the author of all of this, wrote to us. It makes so much sense to look at the world today through a biblical lens when you truly know and understand the Bible. The questions that you used to have about life are gone because God's already answered them. It makes sense when you look around this world through a biblical lens, we don't have the same questions that we once had because we can see through what God has told us why these things are happening, why people live the way they do, why people do the things that they do. And so if we would walk the old godly path, your whole life will be transformed because you'll be in the way that God intended it for you. And you know what's crazy about the modern path? is that it's not straight and it's not flat. Sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes that way. Sometimes it turns around and goes backwards and says, ah, we were wrong. We need to figure out something else. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. The modern path has no idea where it's going. It's not going to get you to the destination that you desire. So why walk it? Why struggle down it and walk down a path that is no good for you when God has a well-worn path that's level? that's smooth from all those who've walked over it before you, and that leads you exactly where you want to go in the easiest, quickest, and best way. It's the direct route. We don't have to stumble, we don't have to search, and we don't have to fall. We don't have to be like the Israelites in the desert. Have you ever looked at a map? Right? I said it again. But if you've ever looked at a map that shows you the Middle East, you know, where Israel is, and Canaan, and Egypt, and, you know, the Exodus journey... Well, like at first they're going like a pretty decent path. Obviously, they can't go straight through where they want to cuz people oppose them or whatever. But then they go and they make it all the way to where they're sneaking some spies in to the land to see what's going on. And they come back and they they I guess had the wrong mindset, right? So they turned everybody so they turned everybody away and said, we don't want to do this. Ten out of the twelve. The other two were righteous. Caleb and Joshua were righteous. And they said, we should go in. We can take them because God is with us. But there was others that said they couldn't. And so when they left and they wandered around in the desert, they legitimately wandered. They did not just hang out on the edge of the land, the promised land, for 40 years. They wandered around taking the most meandering, meaningless path. To get right back where they should have been in the first place, they had a direct route if they had only walked in it and had trusted in God throughout the whole thing. But if you look at that other path, it's winding, meandering, and it still doesn't really get them where they need to go because they still have to stop and compose themselves before they can cross over. What I'm trying to say is that you can walk this modern path, but one, all you're going to do is wander around in circles lost in the desert looking for hope and never finding it, looking for joy and never finding it, looking for peace and never finding it, and not reaching the destination that your heart desires most, which is an eternity in heaven. What you're going to get is you're going to end up in hell. That's the honest truth. If you want to take the modern way and you want to change the things of the Bible and you don't want to trust in the old godly way, you're going to end up in hell. But if you're willing to trust in God and to walk in His way, then you'll make it to the destination you wanted to. It'll be a direct path. It'll be an easy path. I'm not saying that Christianity is an easy walk and that you'll never face struggles. What I am saying is that your joy, your peace, and all of those things will be with you. You will find them on the old godly path, and that while you may face things that are difficult along the way, you won't feel alone and in the desert. But if you're following God, I said on God you're going to be walking that path, find other godly people to walk it with, and praise God, you're going to find the destination that you you desire most, whether you realize it or not, which is heaven. Praise God. I long for that day. The next note I've got is spiritual junk food. Are you addicted to spiritual junk food? Spending time in the Bible is referred to as eating your daily bread. Though it seems we spend more time consuming spiritual junk food than we do the good things of God. Consuming things that are not poisonous and are not going to kill us, but they're not healthy or good for us either. And when they're consumed in excess, they have the ability to take our life. I really think this is a good analogy to really think about things, right? So to survive, we need to eat food. And we have two options. We can eat junk food or we can eat healthy food. Well, if we eat healthy food, we're going to be in better shape. We're going to be able to do more easier. We're going to feel better. We're going to look better. We're gonna be stronger, more powerful. However, sometimes healthy food doesn't taste as good as the junk food tastes. And when you get the taste for junk food, you want more of the junk food. And technically speaking, you could live on junk food. And it's not going to immediately kill you to live on that junk food. It tastes good, it's enjoyable, it's the food that you desire more than it is the healthy option. However, Over time and in excess, it is going to affect you. You're not going to feel as good. You're going to die eventually. And part of the cause, whether it's blood pressure, whether it's a cardiac issue, or whether it's diabetes, the junk food will catch up with you in the end. Because it catches up with everybody who indulges fully in it in the end. But the healthy food will do you so much better in this life. right? If we think... Oh, the right thing is killing me. If we make a point to eat the healthy food, we're going to feel better, we're going to do better, like I already said. Well, let's take that in the spiritual things. What we should be doing daily is praying. That's a spiritual food. A good, healthy spiritual food. We should be worshiping God. We should be reading the Bible. Sharing our faith with everybody who we can. We should be listening to preaching we should be there should be things of god that we hunger after we should be listening to good podcasts like this one praise god we should be doing everything that we can to be full of healthy good spiritual food and then yes every once in a while you might have a little taste of something sweet you might watch a movie that isn't sinful but isn't also a christian faith-based film i watched a million little or a million miles a million little things A Million Miles Away, the other day, it's a decent movie about a guy who goes to space. But it's not a Christian movie, it's not a faith-based movie, so it's like a little sweet treat. You know, it's a time to just relax, to not think about things. A lot of times when we do the things of faith continually, like our minds are constantly working, so you'd like a little bit of a sweet after-dinner snack, right? Did it again. But... That's not good for you. And if you only indulge in those things, if you only are filled with the world's entertainment and the world's music and the world's authors and the world's voices, then it may, it's not going to kill you and it's not going to completely separate you from your faith. Like Paul wrote, you can do all things, but not all things are good for you. So just like you can indulge in these different kinds of food, yes, you can eat spiritual junk food and you're not going to immediately go to hell. But it's also not good for you either, and in excess, it can cause problems in your faith. It can be the things that lead you away. If you truly don't take in any of the good, healthy spiritual food of God, and all you do is take in the bad spiritual food of this world, the spiritual junk food, it's going to have an effect on your faith. I believe that it would be nearly impossible to continue to live a true, faith-filled life for Christ and not read your Bible and not pray and not go to church and not listen to good worship music and to be filled with all the things of the world. It's going to affect the way that you think. It's going to affect the way that you view sin. Because the world confirms sin. But the Bible says we can't do those things. So if you're listening to things and following things that confirm sin, eventually you're going to begin to confirm sin in yourself, and you're going to begin to partake in those same sins. It's just the law of how the world works. But if we get away from those spiritual junk foods and we're not addicted to it, and we become addicted to the healthy spiritual food of God, then praise God, we're going to be in a lot better place, and we're going to align with God, and our minds are going to work right, and we're not going to want the sinful, wicked, evil things of this world. That's the way that we should be striving to make our minds work. That's the way that we should be following God. By not being addicted to spiritual junk food, it doesn't mean that sometimes we can't have a little spiritual junk food. That we can't Watch a different movie, as long as it's not implicitly sinful, right? Nudity, profanity, excess violence, things like that, that are going to affect us. But not everything has to be super God-focused, but it's so much better of a diet to feast on a majority of things that are God, to have the balanced diet, and honestly, to have the majority diet in the things of God than in the things of this world. Because when you begin to sway towards the world, you can't serve both you can only serve one or the other and the more of that stuff you're going to eat the more stuff I'm in the world the more you're going to want to serve the world but may we may we turn to the spiritual healthy foods and it's not always enjoyable and it's you don't always want the broccoli and the rice and the chicken sometimes you want the chocolate cake and i understand that but you have to ask yourself what's best for you it's amazing to me to think that people are willing to force themselves into impossible diets and i've i've done it many a times i've done the whole 30 where you're on a very restricted diet if you don't know what that is just google what can you eat on whole 30 and just look at one of the pictures that shows you it's not a lot no potatoes no dairy no rice it's basically meat and vegetables and i've done that for 30 days for a health reason i've done the daniel fast as well for spiritual reasons but I've done the, the whole 30 just because I wanted to feel better and do better. And I forced myself to give up the pleasurable food of the world, the junk food, the, the sweets and the carbs and the stuff like that for my physical health. But why are so many Christians not willing to do the same thing for their spiritual health? That has, like, if, if you think about what Paul said, he talks about exercise. And he says, bodily exercise profits you some in this life but godly exercise profits you for eternity in the life to come why are we so willing to to squeeze everything we can out of our diet because of vain needs most of the time most of the time it's not just because we want to have a physical better well-being but because we want to appear more attractive to other people that's why people do diets why are we so much more willing to cut out all these things that we quote unquote enjoy for, this, for the vain fact of looking better to other people than we are to do the spiritual things of God. Why wouldn't we be willing to cut out television to spend more time in the Bible if it means having better spiritual health? Why wouldn't we be willing to cut out the sinful music of this world that all it wants to talk about is alcohol, sex, drugs, violence, and affirming things that we shouldn't agree with as Christians Why would we want to indulge in that when we can cut that out and indulge in things that draw us closer and into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? We should be going on a spiritual diet and trying to cut out as much worldly junk food as we can because it's unnecessary for the purpose that we have in this life, which is to live a life for Christ, to lead others to Christ. If that's our purpose, why do we need the spiritual junk food? I agree that it tastes good that it's enjoyable and I'm not sitting here saying that I'm perfect and that I don't watch the occasional TV shows or that I don't spend some time on YouTube channels that aren't overtly Christian. They're not overtly sinful either, but they really just have no purpose. You're watching disc golf videos. What's that helping anybody? Right? Uh, You watch... I did it again. You watch farming videos. They're fun. It's fun to watch it, at least for me it is, and my son enjoys it, but it's not beneficial. And that's the thing that we need to think about, is what's beneficial for us. And the most beneficial thing we can do is cut out the spiritual junk food, the things of this world, and replace them with the healthy spiritual food of God. That is a great thing that we can do. Now we're getting into a long one, and this might be our last one, looking at how much time we've got left here, but we'll, we'll allow God to do His work, and we'll see what takes place. This one's titled, Evangelists for Hell. The lost seem at times to be better evangelists for hell than most Christians are for heaven. The Bible says that wicked people will encourage people to share their wicked acts, a truth that is evident in our world and something we have all, all of us who have attended public school, have experienced at one time or another. Come on, it's just one drink. It won't hurt you. Don't be so boring. Have a little. Why not take a puff, man? It's all natural. Why wait until marriage? Everybody else is doing it. The list could go on and on, but we all see it in our world today. Satan has his evangelists, and they are working hard to pull everyone they can into wickedness. Christians are often called pushy and overbearing, but my personal experience has shown that the evangelists for hell are far more overbearing than the average Christian, and even, I would say, the above-average Christian, if we're just going to be completely honest. In fact, I remember far more people in my youth trying to pull me into wickedness than into the church, and that goes for both other youth and adults. It's a sad fact that people who claim to have the truth are not willing to work or push as hard as those caught in the enemy's trap. The lost are unashamed in the sinful message that they proclaim. They don't give up when we say we don't want any. In fact, they never get up on trying to pull others down with them, taking every opportunity they can to encourage us to indulge in the same sins they do. What are we as the, why are we as the church not just as determined to see the lost saved? Don't we believe everything the Bible says will come to pass? We may say we do with our lips, but our actions will prove what we actually believe. The Scripture should be driving us to take the life-saving message we possess to everyone we can because their future is bleak. The world needs the gospel message, and the only way that message will go forth is if we are willing to carry it forward. Living bold and unashamed in the faith, willing to encourage anyone anywhere to give up their wicked ways and follow after Jesus. The world isn't timid in pushing what it believes, so why should the church be timid? It's time to step out in our faith, doing all we can to see our world saved. Of course, we don't want to offend anyone, but it's better to offend some if it means seeing others saved. As long as we share our faith, In the patience, gentleness, kindness, and love shown in the Bible, we can trust that we are not going to offend anyone for any other reason than that they are ashamed to have their sins exposed in the light, which is just what they need for their salvation. Is that not true? Is it not true that everything in our world is evangelizing us to sin today? Like I said, all the music that's on the radio is an evangelistic track targeted at people to lead them deeper into their sins and to tell them that the sins that they want to be a part of and that they want to partake in aren't actually sinful. They're just what you want to do. That's what you should be doing anyways. That's what the music of this world today is telling us. But that's not what God's Word tells us. It's amazing to me that people are pushing harder today for sinful things then the church is pushing for righteous things because we're afraid. If we're completely honest, the actions of the church show that the church is afraid to step out in this world, afraid to speak the mind, and afraid to share biblical truth with a lost and dying world. But we have to ask ourselves, I think I have. I'm going to save it for next week, but I'm going to give you the title of one of the notes because I put, Hell or Rejection, Which is Worse? When we don't share our faith, that's really the question that we're asking ourselves. Which one of these things is worse, hell or facing rejection? Well, a lot of times it seems like we're more afraid of facing rejection than we are of other people going to hell. That's not right. Church, listen. It's not right. We shouldn't be afraid of rejection. The worst thing that somebody can tell you is, no, I don't want to hear this message. Or no, I don't want to go to church with you. But the best thing that you can do is to ask them to go to church with you and to never give up and to never stop asking somebody to go to church with you, even if it means them getting a little upset. Because how many times have you experienced people not being willing to give up to you when you say, oh, no, I don't drink? There's people that I work with that I feel like I have made that statement to multiple times because they begin to tell me about, oh, well, this alcoholic concoction or this or that, and you're just like, yeah, I don't drink. But it's fine I like it's not gonna offend me for you to talk about it but I'm not interested I'm not I don't want to, I don't really as bad as it sounds I don't really care to know about this and all that but it's like the devil's got them there just trying hey what about this drink you think that might you think that might interest you oh, we're going to, have to go back to the mixing board boys because this one's not working either we're going to, have to find something to to entice this person. That's what the devil's goal is, and he has his minions. He has his evangelists in this world, and we've all encountered them. It's There's multiple people trying to sway you, trying to lead you to sin, and sadly, they're willing to do it from any and every platform, and they're willing to work hard to gain a platform just to evangelize their wicked behavior. That's the world that we live in today, and it's so important that as Christians, we do our part, and we evangelize the righteous and holy things of God. This world needs more evangelists. And when I say evangelists, I don't mean people who travel around the country pulling a camper behind them, preaching at different churches, scheduling revivals. Yes, those things are important. Yes, we need powerful men of God who are called to travel and to go to churches and to inspire faith in places where faith is lacking and to call out things that may not be being called out. We need evangelists in that capacity. But what we also need are what I would refer to as everyday evangelists. Something that I believe that we're all called to be is an everyday evangelist. What does that mean? That means taking your faith every day, everywhere that you go, whether that's the grocery store, the workplace, to school as a as a young person. Wherever we go, we should be an evangelist for Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. That was the, what the Great Commission means. Yes, not all our prophets, not all our teachers, not all our apostles. And not all our preachers and not all our evangelists with a fifth wheel behind their pickup truck but we are all called to make disciples and the only way that we're all going to make disciples is if we act as everyday evangelists seizing the opportunities that fall before us to share the faith without the fear of redemption without being ashamed of our faith and worried about what somebody's going to say they're not worried about sharing what they believe and what they think and what they're going to do we shouldn't be ashamed either but may we step out in faith pushing forward ever harder as the days grow darker trying to shine all the light we can into this world that we might save some praise god well i'm wore down now i think i've done poured out just about everything i have i've got a whole lot of shorts or shorts a whole lot of other notes in my app here but we've basically hit 50 minutes at this point and I think that that's God telling us that we can save some things for next time. I was pretty passionate about a lot of these points, and I hope that that came across. I hope that I've inspired something within you that you'll get out, that you'll share your faith, that you'll be willing to be considered outdated in this world, that you'll put aside some of the spiritual junk food and pick up some of the healthy food of God. We don't need to starve either. We need to be well-fed, but we should be well-fed in the things of God far greater than we are the things of this world. Didn't mean to turn back there, but it hit me in the moment. Anyways... I think that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It really helps us out. If you'll subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening to this on, Uh, if you'll check us out on social media, I'm trying to still put out shorts as much as I can, as much as God gives me the things to say, I'll be pouring those things out every opportunity that I have. And if you share this with a friend, if you enjoy this podcast and you want other people who think you think could benefit from this, then please share it with them because that is the best opportunity that we have to grow ratings and likes and comments also help us out a whole lot. We'd appreciate anything that you're willing to do to help us to grow this podcast, to advance our reach, to advance the reach of the kingdom, and to help more and more people have more of God and less of themselves. We'll see you on Friday for the Better Together podcast, where I'll be joined by my better half. But until then, God bless.